Hello and welcome to It's All in Your Head, a mental health podcast. My name is Eli Henry. I'm your host. Before we get started today, if you or anyone you know or love is going through a tough time, is finding it hard to carry on, needs someone to talk to, you can always call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's 800-273-8255, 800-273-TALK. They also have a, uh, a chat line on their website and also a lot of great useful tips and techniques so don't be afraid to reach out. Also, you know, I just want to say, don't be afraid of the word suicide there. I know that it makes it sound a lot heavier, and sometimes we get into these places where we feel really desperately upset, but, you know, it's not quite at that max capacity where we'd use the word suicide, and when we hear that, it scares us, but they're always there just to talk about whatever you want, and there's no judgment, so I highly recommend it. If you need to, do it. This is episode three. Uh, my guest today is... A good friend of mine, he's a very talented writer and director named Casey Donahue. Uh, Casey is one of the um, smartest guys I know. He's very funny, uh, very quick, and he's got a really interesting way of looking at movies. He, he sees more movies than anybody I know, and, and I know a lot of people that see a lot of films. And I think this is a really interesting episode because, you know, this is an arts podcast. We do talk about mental health and the arts, and... Uh, Davey and Leah, we got into that stuff, and it was really great, but I think that maybe it's because I've got a background in film that I think this was a really interesting one because we really get into the theory behind uh, films and films we enjoy and filmmakers we enjoy and how it relates to our mental health. Because, I mean, I think everybody in the arts, whatever their chosen field is, um, it, it's emotional to them. So for me, film is a very emotional thing. I think it, it, it's like going on an emotional ride whenever you watch a good movie. So we talk about what films uh, really impact us and why, and I think Casey got into a really great moment uh, in, in this episode about what it is that makes a movie he enjoys, what kind of films and, and, and characters he attaches himself to and thus creates. So it's a good journey. Uh, and I, I think it, it's definitely worth, um, worth your time. I mean, of course, I think all these episodes are worth your time. I hope they are. I encourage you to listen to them, whether they are or are not. <laughs> um, but this is a good episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, I will give you a, a bit of a disclaimer. You know, we do talk about uh, uh, some heavy topics, as we always do, um, including uh, uh, the concept of suicide and all that at, at a certain point. So if that's something that uh, troubles you, uh, this is uh, your fair warning. But other than that, I, I don't have really much else to say. Uh, I continue to be... Um, humbled and honored by the positive wonderful feedback to the podcast so far and I thank you for listening and uh, I hope if you enjoy it you share it with your friends and uh, on your social media and enemies and um, people on the street shout it from rooftops do whatever you do I appreciate it so uh, here we go episode three it's all in your head Casey. Yes. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, it's a real busy day, but I'm glad to make some time to come and talk to you about uh, what's wrong with me, I guess. Yay! Exactly. <laughs> that's 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 what we do here. Uh, you see a movie today. We got yeah. a couple more. Yeah, you know things uh, going on. Yeah, got a more heart to hearts. Kinda. Yeah, I do. I do. I go to this like dance thing on Wednesday nights. Go That's on. like, we uh, we get into this big dark room, like completely pitch black, no lights, and uh, we kind of dance for an hour straight. And it's I like I can't tell if you're kidding. I am not kidding. This is one hundred percent serious. Because it sounds like a dance out your feelings, like like. Uh, it's that's exactly what it is. It's like from uh, what's that movie? Where he goes to a warehouse and dances. Footloose. Footloose. Yeah. It's yeah. Like a footloose thing. Yeah. It's it's like an hour long footloose montage. Uh, that's go. Well, how goes did on. this start? I, I don't know how it started. It's kind of all over the world. It's like different chapters. It's called No Lights, No Lycra, or NLNL for short. Um, how long have you been doing it? Uh, since for like eight, nine months, something like that. 
but uh, what's why? What like what do you get out of it? Is it? Uh, well, I just I have a couple friends that like to go, and they're like, you should come. It's fun. You like to dance. I'm like, I do. You ever bump so. into anybody? Um, sometimes, not not often. What kind of I music kinda, is it? What's the deal? It's uh, kind of all over the place. There's uh, a lot of pop, uh, some like old rock and roll. It's like every song kind of changes. So like everyone. I say, this is surprising to me. I didn't <laughs> like I, that's that is the last thing I expected. On, a, on yeah. A how are you? For today? me to say what I'm doing after this? Yeah, you know, I I, I would get food, but I gotta go. Dance in the dark. What yeah. time does that start? Uh, seven, eight. I forget. I think and it goes for I think an it's hour. Eight. Yeah, it's an hour long. And then at, so then there's time afterwards to. Yeah, everyone kind of is like real sweaty and cools and down, and food. then like, like yeah, <laughs> usually uh, go to a bar or something after that. Huh. Wow, that's okay. Well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> Didn't ever expect it to be that, but you learn something new every day. So uh, let's on that note of dancing in the dark. Not Bruce Springsteen. Let's let's talk about mental health stuff. Sure. So what what do you what do you have? Um, I don't I don't know. I've never uh, like uh, gone to a doctor to talk about anything like that. Um, although my my mom for several years definitely kept pushing like if you need to talk to someone, <laughs> uh, you can. It's so okay. your mom thinks you've got something. Yeah, she kind of put that into do, my but, head. But I mean, do you <laughs> do you feel like? Uh, uh yeah. I mean. Like, what do you lean towards when you think about what you might have? Uh, depression, definitely. Yeah. yeah. How does that manifest for you? Like, what makes you think that? I I get I get sad a lot, uh, and I I, I think for the oh, like the most part, I just kind of like always tell myself well, everyone gets sad, but like sometimes it does come out of like nowhere, and it's like everything could be going great, and then I tell myself about how everything's not going to be going great, and then. I don't know. It's like these weird cycles. It's yeah, always, it it's always, yeah, it it's loops. up and yeah, down. That's, that sounds um, like depression. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I've great. Gra- glad we figured that out. Yeah, good. I'm not a doctor, but uh, no, I mean, we've, I talked about this on the show a few times. Obviously, I don't, I don't know what order I'm going to be uploading these in. So sure. people may hear me say this a lot in a row or not. But yeah, no, loops are a typical thing. And depression is just like kind of these cycles of thought yeah. that don't really make sense, but keep happening over and over and over again. You're like, ah. You're not always like, ah, but I yeah. don't. Uh, so let's talk about uh, what you do. You're a director. Yep. Uh, filmmaker. Filmmaker, writer, director. Writer, director. How'd you get into that? Uh, very, very young. I uh, used to play sports when I was a kid, and then I kind of got bored of that because okay. uh, as you get older, the people that play sports, mostly assholes. And, get uh, worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and the coaches make it not fun. It just wasn't, wasn't getting, it wasn't fun anymore. And stop being a game. Yeah, it was not, yeah, it stopped being a game. And this was like very, very young. It stopped being a gang. Like I grew up uh, Well you were in like, Florida. Yeah, I grew up in, in South Florida and they like raise athletes down there. Like by the time I got to high school, like uh I I think uh the class underneath me, the like I graduated class of two thousand six. Class of two thousand five, the year under me, uh this guy, Anthony Rizzo, uh uh-huh. went to our school who is now a very famous baseball player so it's like that's funny that's 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 just what happens yeah. that's just what happens so very sports centered area and then naturally <laughs> naturally i rebelled against it by uh i don't know i started taking like pictures and but even before that like how old? my my grandfather i was like 10 11 years old when my grandfather gave me his old VHS camera and then, you know, make stuff with my action figures, mm-hmm. stop motion, that sort of thing. Just kind of set up and do like weird shit in front of stop it. Motion. Like, I mean, I did a lot of it's stop the easiest thing to do when you're a kid. I mean, it's so hard, but it is it's like very easy. hard, like but hard it's to like, do well, but easy to do. Yeah. A, I don't really have to write a script. Um, you just make get your a crew Legos together. move around and everyone's like, Oh wow. Yeah. And then everyone you. tells you you did a real great job. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great. So then as you got older, did, was that the primary focus on your mind? Uh, film? Yeah. 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 It, like um, through high school and all that? Through high, definitely through high school, even before that middle school. It was like, I want to make movies. I want to be a filmmaker. And then, you know, I went to college for film, went to uh, uh, an art school. Where? And uh, the Massachusetts College of Art and Design, I think is what it's called Is that now. in Boston? It's in Boston. So you went from Florida to Boston? Florida to Boston. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, studied studied art, studied all kinds of art, art history, um, focused on film, but it was like a very experimental 
department, uh, mm -hmm. like very hardcore art school. Film That's good. Department. So you got a, a pretty wide ranging yeah background, which yeah. helps. Um, now, when did you first start to feel like uh, depressed, or start to recognize it at least as something maybe a little bit more than um, what everyone experiences? Honestly, what you think pretty pretty later in my life, I guess. Like, I don't know. Uh, I think when I was younger, I was, uh, I don't know, it's like the same thing, kind of like all these thoughts of like, what am I doing? I'm not happy. I hate this place. Like, uh, and I just always chalked it up to like, everyone Florida. probably feels like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Forgive around me, for, me, everyone no, in Florida. I'm filling in some blanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I believe, yeah, doctors in Florida don't describe, uh, don't prescribe, uh, sorry, don't uh, 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 diagnose depression. They just uh, give you a ticket. <laughs> a a one-way ticket to New York. Get out! You know. Yeah, that's. I went to college in in Boston because I was like, this is pretty far away from Florida. Yeah. So did uh, you like feel that way growing up about Florida? Like, what, what do you think of Florida? Yeah, I hated it. I. Yeah. I uh, Are I your hated parents it. from there? Like. No, my my dad grew up in uh, Long Island, and my mom's from Maryland. Uh, but they moved. They both moved there when they were pretty young. Like, I think like eleven, twelve, thirteen, something like that. Mm. I met in high school, uh, high school sweethearts. They're still married. Great. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's that's great. That's awesome. Uh, I had that my whole life, which is kind of nice. Nice. Do you have siblings? Uh, older sister, younger brother. Okay, middle child. Yeah, middle, middle, middle child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the redheaded middle child, literally who I am. That's really funny. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you, you say that your mom is like talking to you about, you know, if you ever want to sit, talk to anybody or whatever. Yeah. Uh, was that ever a conversation growing up or, or is that just something that started occurring? I think lately uh, a little bit in high school. Um, I think after I went away to college, uh, cause I attributed things to like, you know, once I get out of here, it'll I'm all be, be okay. so much happier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then like the, the things that were kind of like upsetting me change, you know, as you get older. Yeah. And so then, like in college, there was a whole lot of like, is this is this the did I make the right choices? Am I doing the right things? I'm I'm not feeling Happier. fulfilled or anything like that. Yeah, and I I talk about that a lot. I mean, that's um, big thing for me was uh, when I explain depression to people that don't have it, it's this thing of uh, like like for most recently as an example, I just you know wrapped on on this show, mm -hmm. you know biggest thing I've done in my career so far great people, really amazing experience. But I, I was in a really depressive funk beforehand. And then I booked it. And, and, and previously in my life, I'd been like, you know, when I'm working, I'm fine. Yeah. We all lie. But I thought, you know, I, I still told it to myself. And then I was on this thing and about, you know, two weeks into it, I was still feeling like shit. Mm -hmm. and, and it's this thing of depression is aggressive normalcy. You know? Yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, everyone gets used to everything. Like, I, I think no matter who you are, whatever you experience, eventually you get used to it. Mm -hmm. Maybe take it for granted, sure, but you get used to it. But I think with people with depression, that happens a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. Which is a, a kind of a positive thing because it's almost like you're striving for more uh, when you're not, you know, feeling stuck in shit. But it, right. it still is that... Uh, that idea and for people listening, you know, who are trying to understand depression, th that's kind of how that manifests. It's mm -hmm. like things can be going really well. You can be doing something, but quickly discover, you know, you're not satisfied. And, and it does manifest in a lot of ways with uh, thinking you have the answers, which is one of the most dangerous things is thinking this is it. Mm -hmm. I got it. Mm -hmm. And then finding it out from there. And that's, it, it, it's like a constant, uh, you got to constantly reassess, which again, I say is yeah. a positive, but also, is a little annoying. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, how did you? So, how did you deal with it then? I mean, not knowing what it was, but just seeing that it was there. Like I said, when like when I was younger, it was mostly like, oh, I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna get out of here. I know I'm not gonna stay here, and uh, wherever I go, I'll be I'll be happy. Better than here, yeah. Yeah, and you know that's that was true to some sense, but it's just like the problems change, and <laughs> there's something else that I'll start making me sad again right and and when you say sad like uh what do you mean like what 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 to you is being sad I'm getting a little existential here i know yeah what uh, is sad <laughs> <laughs> um i don't it's i feel heavier mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um 
and I've, I've never really like the thing is like that why I've like never gone and like talked to anyone or anything just because like what I hear about what depression is like and I'm like I don't think that's that's what I'm like like when, when people talk about how they just can't get out of bed uh, I've, I've definitely feel that way sometimes but I never attribute it to depression I, I just feel like I'm just really tired that's probably <laughs> I'm just, I'm just really tired. Do you ever feel that way? Are you really happy? You're like, man, I'm really tired and happy and I can't get out of bed. No, I get mad at myself for feeling really tired. (laughs) That sounds like depression. Oh, great. I mean, in some, (laughs) in some spec, like the thing is depression isn't always like a fucking hard trunk load of shit. Yeah. It's, it, it can, like I've got, you know, I say I've got depression because it's easier than explaining what dysthemia is. I've got dysthemia, which is, it used to be called, um, a depressive personality disorder, mm-hmm. which is accurate, but it, you know, basically it's like if you're, you know, uh, if depression is, you can be at normal and then dip into depression and come back to normal and dip into depression. Yeah. Dysthemia is like, you're always just below normal and you slope slowly into those depressive funks. And sometimes you do have those dips, but you just never quite return to normal. You're always just a little more sure. uh, like th- that's what I've got. And so, you know, th- there are all, all sorts of different types of depression and it, it it's kind of interesting to see how it manifests. And, yeah, you know. I definitely noticed, um, honestly, since I started, changed what like what I made movies about, uh, things kind of changed for me a little bit. How so? Um, I'd say by the time, like when I got to college, I was, uh, I was like, I'm going to go to art school. I'm going to make art films. It's going to be great. Uh, I got there. Everybody else wanted to make art films. And I was like, I, I don't want to do what everyone <laughs> else is doing. I'm going to make sketch comedy. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> sketch comedy. And all of uh, the projects I would turn in were like sketches, music videos, like funny parody. Not really parody, but like yeah. Lonely satirical, Island. Yeah, satirical. Things. Yeah. So why, why, why comedy? Like what brought you to comedy? Especially in that environment. Um, I've always... Loved it. I mean, I think it's the same thing for like anybody who kind of gets into comedy. It's like you know, you grew up, grow up with it. Like, grew up watching Saturday Night Live and like Kids in the Hall reruns and uh, Monty Python, and like I loved it. I, it's all it's all great. And then so I'm like, maybe this is something I want to do. And then all the other people around me that I like followed on the internet uh, in college um, were like coming up, and they're comedians. And it was like Adult Swim is great, and mm-hmm. Um, that's like by the time I was like a freshman in college, freshman, junior or sophomore, that's when like the Lonely Island kind of hit it with like, era of SNL. Yeah. Yeah. Like Lazy Sunday, that sort of thing. And I was like, this is great. I want to do this in art school. Me doing that stuff. Yeah. How'd you teach? What'd your teachers respond? Like, did they... I, I graduated with uh, departmental honors. Like they, <laughs> they gave it to there were they were like, oh thank God, not another film. I was of like a light bulb flipping in the dark. Uh, I I honestly tried harder than anybody else. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, is the thing like we like it wasn't mandatory every week to have something to show, but I tried to have something to show, um, and some people in my class like didn't turn anything in all semester right and then i see them make like some shitty bogus fake art shit and then Mm -hmm. they try and give meaning to it by bullshitting their way through it and um uh so that kind of made me hate the (laughs) art world and art film for for a bit no no i've I've circled circled back back. yeah well uh, what directors do you like i'm curious like if you have any favorite directors and what kind of comedy you like uh you find yourself more geared towards because you talk about you know as you changed what kind of films you make yeah. as you change that stuff your views on everything changed so yeah. I'm wondering what that transition was like and what examples you might be able to give um it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what made me kind of change the direction I like took my work in um but there was like a lot of things like um I want to say back in the day. Uh, like Charlie Kaufman stuff. That oh, was yeah. that was kind of the beginning He's of one it. Of my yeah, like adaptation, um, Eternal Sunshine. And like, it's funny though that you bring up Charlie Kaufman because I mean that's such a. You talk about mental health, mm-hmm. it, you, like holy shit, that guy is everything he's created is rooted in 
yeah. deep anxiety, oh, yeah. dissatisfaction. Like Synecdoche in New York, if you don't understand what depression in the arts is, I, I've watch that only movie. seen the first like half hour, 45 minutes of that movie. Um, like I turned it off because it was depressing me. Dude, I, I've seen that movie three times, twice in theaters, which I know sounds Jeez. insane. Like I, I, I loved what I was watching. I loved Charlie Kaufman, but I was just like, I can't, I can't handle this I, right I think now. It's and good. I, and I've yeah. yet to revisit it. I think it, I, I highly recommend. It. I think it's essential viewing for people in the arts if you can handle that. It's like a horror film for people in the arts, but it's still like uh, <laughs> incredible. But yeah, Charlie Kaufman. So it, it, the work you do, do you find it, it fits in that world, or the work that you want to be doing? Um, a little bit. Early on, I, I tried uh, that sort of like kind of weird existential and um also kind of a little bit cartoony it's like grounded absurdity absurdity yeah yeah uh i made i made a short film a couple years ago that i think was like my first real dive into that sort of storytelling and that kind of opened things up for me about like well what is it about these movies that i that i love uh is it is it the story? Is it the the plot? Is it the hook? Uh, but then I realize it's all about the characters for me. Uh, like the movies that I really love, the things that really stick with me are when I can put myself in a character and I can feel what they're feeling and relate to it. So and in a way, then Synecdoche, New York was a success. It just, was, <laughs> it, well, yeah, it, it was. was just like a, it's I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. I, yeah. for, I so, can't do it right so now. So what 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 char- what kind of characters do you tend to relate to? Do you tend to see yourself in? I think it it, it definitely changes because there's so many movies I, I I love where the characters are pretty different. But I think what it all I think like they all kind of have like this one thing it boils down to about like really wanting to to uh, like either be something that they're not or wanting everyone to see them for who they actually are or hiding who they are oh, from themselves. Like, right. like, like that sort of thing. Um, I can, I can like find that in any, not any movie, but most movies, if I can, even if I'm like manifesting it in my brain myself mm-hmm. for that character. Do you think that that speaks to just, you know, where you came from and, and your desires to be doing more? It might. I, I, I attribute it to that quite a bit um and do you make sure to put that into your writing as well yeah i think since i've like really pinpointed like it's characters that i really love what is it about the characters what in this thing i'm writing do i want the characters to want and need and this is like stuff when i was a kid i didn't mm-hmm. understand or, or really grasp oh, or like kid yeah i yeah. mean like my i loved quentin tarantino as sure. a kid and i'm like i want to make quentin tarantino movies and then i get older and now i'm like i want to make movies like Derek c in france good yeah see that's a good thing is a lot of people don't make it past that step when i was in film school i just remember all those stupid conversations mm-hmm. like i was when i was in film school when avatar came out and i had a friend being like i want to make movies like avatar and i'm like right but you can't <laughs> so what are you gonna like because the thing is like you can't that movie you can write that script the script sucked it's the yeah. fucking template script yeah you can write that but what else are you gonna do right like, uh, but some people never grow past that. Like I, I had a friend in film school who was like, "I hate Stanley Kubrick. He always tries to make everything so perfect." I'm like, "What? What are you trying to do?" <laughs> anyway. But film nerd stuff aside, uh, do you find that like working, like directing, writing, does it help you with your issues? Like, one hundred percent, yes. Uh, I think that's what's kind of uh, saved me uh, for for a bit. Is like because as I've gotten older and I've realized that. You know, like I was saying, like the things that bring me down change and evolve as I get older. Um, and then the fact that I started focusing on like characters and what drives characters and all that, that's really kind of helped me understand myself a bit more sure. um, by putting it onto the page and then putting it on the screen. So you say movies in a way are your therapy watching yes. movies. Yeah, I, I, I go to the movies multiple times a week, I think, like two three times what more more so week? in the in the summer when there's more movies to yeah. watch but um, what have you seen this week i know you saw the fits today yeah i just came back from the fits second time seeing it i love that movie uh and check it's like a, fits, yeah check out the fits um putting on the fit anyway. <laughs> but yeah that's that's a very it's like a very small movie about everything that i have just been saying it's mm-hmm. real quiet character driven and uh i love it um 
The Lobster is another one that I really I love. I saw The Lobster too. I, I'm curious to know what you think about it because I'm not. I love it. I, I, I'm like, I think, first of all, a lot of people build it up for me. Uh, going And for those of you not familiar, The Lobster is a film. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes, by that guy. And, uh, you know, it stars Colin Farrell and um, a lot of other people. There's so yeah. many people in that movie. It's a very bizarre film. I mean, but the idea is like, you know, it's a dystopian future where uh, you have to be in a relationship and any single people are hunted and put into a, uh, a hotel where um, you've got 45 days to find someone to fall in love with. And if you quote unquote, fall in love with, yeah. And if you don't fall in love with them or fi- find someone to fall in love with you, uh, uh, you get turned into an animal of your choice and Colin Farrell picks a lobster. Um, so it, the thing is I saw it and I feel like I, um, I think it's an uh, excellently made film. Mm-hmm. I think it gets its point across very well. I think mm-hmm. it does everything it intends to do. And I just don't know if I liked it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think in, I can recognize it's a great movie, and I think everyone should watch it because I think it did. Like, that guy made the exact movie he wanted to yeah. make. But I can't tell if I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to have really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think I was just supposed to have witnessed it. And I've definitely been thinking about it a lot. But the thing is, I, I think that, and I'm curious to know what you think about this. The thing I took away from it is I feel like I already viewed dating and, and, and relationships almost like this Uh so seeing it i was just kind of like yeah yeah that's that's it sure i get it and it's almost like when i catch on to what a movie's trying to do Uh and i've put it in that term in my brain before i'm like all right i got it because i'm already the kind of guy that obsesses over like dating and online and all those problems and what it is to date in the modern age and how it feels and and there are other movies i can't think of any examples right now but there are other movies where i'll see what they're trying to do and i'll be like yeah i got it but it doesn't like I feel like a lot of people saw that movie and went, "Oh wow, yeah." And so I, was, I didn't. I didn't feel that way. See, I mean, I, I right. feel the way you do, where I was like, "Yeah, I, I get what they're doing. I get what's going but on." But you just liked sitting in it. I yeah. I I I, I was watching. I was like, "Yeah, I, I get this. I get what he's trying to do," uh, and I agree with it. Basically, like it was. It wasn't like a revelation or anything. Also, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with his other films. Right. I hear that he's very uh, uh, varied. Um. Are they all kind just of? This was his third feature that he directed. He has produced. There's a few years ago. There was this really great. He's a Greek filmmaker in in Greece. Uh, I think that's where they tend to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, in Greece, there was like an economic collapse, yeah. and out of it came all of these very strange films uh because nobody else had anything to do i guess besides Mm -hmm. that yeah and it was like a close-knit group of people and this and the 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 director of the lobster uh directed a movie called dog tooth uh which was nominated for best foreign film oscar um equally as weird uh i think more a little more disturbing than the lobster um then he followed that up with a movie called alps which is about a group of people that form a club or a business it's not i I can't remember off the top of my head to help families who have just lost a loved one uh grieve by replacing the loved one with a person (laughs) in the group so like the girl in the group takes the place of a daughter who died and dresses in her clothes and sits at the dinner table with them and it's super bizarre I think that one's the most grounded of his of his three films, and it's it's super weird, but because I mean, yeah, you talk, I love I, that shit. You look at that Charlie Kaufman stuff. I mean, going back to him, and it's all of his stuff is very grounded. It's just so weird. That's what yeah. I love. They feel like dreams. Yes, which is what I really like about uh, his work, and that the, I I try to emulate that in a lot of my writing as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's just that idea of like making this completely absurd concept feel believable and there are a lot of movies that i think i watch and i'm like oh what are you just trying to be Kaufman? they don't mm-hmm. accomplish it but when they do is very very uh amazing like i think louis on his show does a lot of great stuff with that yeah. grounding um the absurd insane because that's really all it comes down to is people treating it like it's real yeah like not no one stopping me like isn't this weird yeah. like you know that's what sketch comedy tends to, to fall into and I feel right. like that's why I mean you know, Charlie Kaufman wrote for the Dana Carvey show yeah 
And he wrote sketch comedy. Yeah. And that's why it's not such a crazy leap to go from sketch comedy to what he does, because it's like sketches with real responses. Yeah, I think I think it seems like, to be it, what know. a lot of comedians and people who do comedy like I mean like Louis C. K. obviously he made Pootie Tang and now yeah. he made uh Louis and now Horace and Pete. I don't know if you've seen I that. I haven't seen it yet. It's super fucking depressing. <laughs> but I, that's the thing though, is like, you know, you look at all the concepts of uh of um Charlie Kaufman's movies and they can just as easily go in the other direction and be a sketch. Uh-huh. Sorry for people that aren't really into comedy. <laughs> this might be getting a little heady, but for example, like eternal sunshine, the spotless mind. Yeah. Uh, the, the premise is that, you know, you can go to a place and erase the, you know, your past your memories, lovers, yeah. memories. And I mean, you could see that as a UCB sketch. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. Yeah. What? Come on! Don't you remember we had the, you know, or like trying to bring all the things that remind you of her. It's like, what's this? A box of dildos? Like, you know, you can yeah, see yeah, it going. Yeah. Same with Synecdoche, New York, as an artist who, uh, a playwright who makes a play within a play within a play within a play. You could see these all going, these goofy comedy directions. Yeah. But it's that attitude of like, no, everyone just accepts that this is happening. Like, in, when you're in a dream or a nightmare. Right. You know, you might, you might be like in a taxi cab with your gym teacher mm-hmm. and uh, Robin Williams. And you're like, yeah, this is happening. And they're both being like, you just got to not worry about it, man. You're like, you're right, Mr. You know, O'Reilly. You're mm-hmm. right, Robin. You know, <laughs> it's just, these, but it's this weird stuff. Uh, I want to get back to just uh, mental health stuff. Cause sure. you know, obviously that's yeah. the, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously I've said, I don't know what order I'm uploading these in, but I feel like, Around the half hour mark, I say that sentence in every episode. So listeners keeping track, you can just mark that down. So growing up in Florida, yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, it sounds like your parents were more liberally minded. Um, to a degree, at least my in mom. The sense that my your mom, mom for sure. Yeah. Uh, my mom was a was an well, art major. York, she's a know. graphic designer, and um, I think my mom sees a lot of myself in her. Uh, which uh, a lot of her and yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is why I think she asks me if you're all right. Yeah, if I'm all right. Because I wouldn't be. You know. Uh, and yeah, like we we've had conversations, especially recently. Like as as I've gotten older, the the uh, depression bouts, I guess, um, s- start to feel heavier because I don't know. It's you like got real responsibilities. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, a couple months ago and it's it's like a weird chain of events that kind of drive me into a hole I guess where like I'm fine I'm a pretty like upbeat chipper kind of guy mm-hmm. I like to go have fun with my friends but then there could yeah, be like true. one thing <laughs> yeah. uh, there could be one thing that happens that like kind of like bums me out and then that'll lead to something else and yeah, then it's just it like happens. it just these weird triggers snowballs and, and it's always and then consequential, like, right? yeah yeah and yeah. it's like nothing i have any control over and it'll just snowball and then like a couple months ago was like the last time it was really bad in like a year where i was maybe like a week or so just like getting to this attitude of like what am i doing not nothing uh is Mm-hmm. making sense or I, I feel like I'm accompl- accomplishing nothing when I know You're that's not so true. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. feel like that's, just, that's true of a lot of people with, with all sorts of mental health issues is, is I mean, a common thing I, from people I talk to and, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this stuff and, and the common thing is that a lot of their friends are always like, you're always doing so much. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes from a place of trying to deal with our shit. It's like, if I, uh, if I didn't, yeah, but it feels so like much. we're doing nothing. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm doing nothing most of the time when I'm, sure. you know, I've got a lot of friends being like, it seems like you got a lot going on. I'm like, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know if that's true, I guess, you know, because <laughs> in your brain, it feels like all one thing <laughs> melding together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but so you, do you talk to your mom about that now at all? Like, are you more open about it with her? Um, A little bit. Like, like what I was saying, like how recently the last kind of like dip was... Uh, the last time my mom kind of opened up to me a little bit more about, I feel kind of weird <laughs> now, like talking about like what my mom was saying, but like she was concerned that I might uh, hurt myself. Right. Um, got that bad. And I, I don't know how serious she is or about that, but 
uh it, you know, after she said that i was like no i'm 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 not. Were, were you that low, like in your conversations with her, that she? No, I think she she looks at other things I post online, and she right. see like I'm I wasn't okay, and she called me and was like, "If you need to talk," I'm like, "I don't I'm like," and I was like, "I don't, I don't need to talk right now. Uh, I'm kind of dealing with things in my own way." But that's great that you know but, that she's. Yeah, but she she like asked me about that because it sounded like it's something that she had maybe dealt with on her own before. Sure, sure. And I think that's like that goes back to like how she sees so much of herself in me. Mm-hmm. How that um could be a concern for her. Right now, that's always a, a tough line uh, and a tough thing to deal with. And I feel like you know the more people I talk to, the less rare that feels mm-hmm. um, like a lot of people like, I'm not saying trying or anything, but you know, I think every person thinks about that mm-hmm. <laughs> in some capacity, you know, uh, like, would I ever do that? Or like, well, I could, like I could do, it's like the only superpower. I think I we did. Know when, that we yeah. Have. When I was a kid, it's the I only th- superpower thought... we know we have. Yeah. Like, well, I can do that. Yes. But no one wants to really. I mean, I think we trick ourselves into wanting to sometimes, but yeah. it becomes a further tool of self-deprecation for the brain. Sure. But so when when you were growing up, uh, you obviously felt this way a little bit in high school. You felt this way, but you mm-hmm. said you dealt with it by thinking like, "I'll get out of here. I'll get out of here." Yeah. But did you ever talk about that with anybody? Any friends? Anything like that? No. Like, never. Kept it in. Like yeah. what was the what was the general vibe? I mean, around that around emotions, around expressing yourself, where you grew up. Um, Not to put a lot of shit on Florida, but I mean, I know it's <laughs> it it. I mean, I, I would ask the same of, of of the South in general. It seems like a pretty. Uh, a different kind of spot. I think I'm trying to think because honestly, like so much of uh, my youth, I've kind of just like burned the bridge to those memories in my head. I mean, right now you're trying to burn the bridge to your 10 year high school reunion. I've been saying, Oh Facebook. yeah. Well, that's just, that's just good fun. <laughs> trying to get all these people who I don't remember from high school uh, to not let me go to the Yeah. That doesn't reunion. sound like you have anything loaded there at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was like, I was thinking about it, and like, either earlier today or yesterday, but about how, like, you know, when I was in high school, like, just because, like, the high school reunion thing, like, there was a weightlifting class that you could take, um, but I couldn't, there was no, like, screenwriting class I could take, yeah. and and it was just making me mad thinking about that, like, like that's, that's where I'm from, that's... Right. Uh, it's, a, it's a school full of jocks, uh, a town, uh, a state. Uh, I don't know the whole state. It's Florida's a big state. South yeah. Florida, full of uh, people that I don't relate to. And so, I, so I guess growing up, did that did that encourage you to keep all those feelings inside, all the people around you? Like, were you afraid of of saying it, or did you just not see a point? I think it was mostly not seeing a point. Um, like I think when I'm out uh, or in, in like uh, with friends or I'm around friends, I'm outgoing and and talkative uh, for the most part. Sometimes I end up sulking back a little bit, but when I'm like at home, especially growing up and like being around my family, uh, I I notice how I. Uh, could get I get really quiet and I just stay in my room. I wonder if that's a middle child thing. I don't know. My brother does that. My, I'm the youngest. Of even them. even now I go yeah. home and and uh, when I go home to visit family, it's like my my parents are like, "So how are things?" And I'm like, "Just fine." Dead. And then you run. No, it's more. And slam it. <laughs> it was never like that. It yeah, was yeah, I was yeah. never like that angsty. I wasn't angsty in that way. It was more just like good. Everything's good. I'm good. And just. Is it weird to go back home? Everything. Like just to be back in that place because you just... I can't spend more than... Uh, well, there's no more childhood home. My, my parents moved once. Uh, all the kids mm-hmm. grew up and left for college. Uh, so they, they don't need a big house anymore. But still, they still live in South Florida. But so there's no going home to you stay with that. them when you go I back? do. Yeah, I stay with them. But I could only really handle being in... And it's nothing to do with my parents. Just the, the whole Florida environment. Yeah. Like more than three or four days and I, I start to yeah, get angry, really. I think, that, I think that's the same thing with anyone going home. I mean, I feel like more than 10 days anywhere, mm-hmm. 
like home is too much. Like I, I, there was a period of time when I first moved out here where whenever I would go back, I'd go back for like two weeks and I was sure. like, it's too long. Yeah. Like it just crosses, you hit a wall. Um, I don't know. I think that might just be, you know, cause I, I love Toronto now, but I hated yeah. it <laughs> when I was there <laughs> just because it was where I was from. And I think that's, see, just, I'm homesick for like where I moved after, uh, for, so Boston. Florida, Boston. Then I went to New York after that. Yeah. I want to actually move to New York. Uh, I will <laughs> move to the topic. <laughs> of, I do want to move to New York, but let's talk uh, topic wise. So when you were in New York, you did UCB, right? Yes. And, and what'd you do? Did you take like the performance classes or did you just take the writing classes? Uh, I, I only took one writing class and I did a lot of uh improv classes uh started doing improv um uh you know st- formed an indie team and did you like performing i did I, I i really loved it and i stopped when i moved here because i was like in a weird middle area where i wasn't like so established in new york yeah. where i could come here and just like hop in with anybody um but like i wasn't also new enough where it's like I was like, uh, I came in an advanced study and everybody in my class already had their own Maybe teams other, and shit. Yeah. So I'm just like, all right, well, yeah. I, so I, I just kind of faded from that. For the people listening that don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Um, <laughs> the improv community is uh, spread out. I mean, it, in New York, uh, UCB's big and, and there's a, a bunch of other theaters and uh, LA is pretty much just UCB, Groundlings, IO. Yeah. Uh, there is a second city, but it's not very big. And, and, and within that, Really, the biggest one is UCB. It's the hot ticket right now. It's where everyone goes. Uh, and yeah, I think LA's comedy community is very, very closed off from the rest of the country. Because Toronto, New York, Chicago, Boston, there are people that know each other from those communities yeah. and those theaters, and they'll go to festivals. But in LA, I think LA, everyone knows people if they're doing really well in New York. But, you know, like in, in Chicago or in New York, you'll hear these you know, people like, what's the best thing you've ever seen? It's like, oh, uh, I saw Scott Adzit perform. He was great. Or I saw TJ and Dave or yeah. Joe Bill doing Bass Prov. And like, these are all names people tend to know. And they're all these different groups. But you come to L.A. and it's like, what's the best improv you've ever seen? It's like, oh, dude, uh, Jason Manzukas, best improviser I've ever seen. And don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic improviser. Yeah. But like when that's the entire community talking about just one guy who's only in L.A. lately, yeah, it's this bizarre thing where it's like very closed off. So anyone coming in, like I've got friends who did Second City in Toronto main stage. Yeah. They come out here and they're taking UCB 101 and they're just kind of starting ground up. And it's bizarre. It's kind of a bizarre feeling. Yeah. I, I know I felt that way. I don't do improv anymore because I came out here and I just felt like I wasn't I didn't have the energy. It, yeah it, that's that's essentially what happened with me like i loved doing it um and because uh, i thought it, it was helping me become like a better director a more intuitive writer also mm, absolutely. just like making up the story as you're going is, is great and and i loved doing that uh and like my goal really wasn't ever like oh get on saturday night live that's that's why i'm mm-hmm. going through ucb i mean to write yeah but like not to you like want to be like on the show. Yeah, well, it wasn't looking to be Andy Samberg, more of a you like a, to yeah, or, yeah, or what's the uh, Akiva, Akiva Schaefer. Yes. Yeah. Um, apologies, Akiva, if you're listening. I mean, I, I just I saw Popstar is very good. So after coming here, you went to start doing stuff with Channel 101. Yes. And uh, tell people listening what Channel 101 is, and then tell us how you got into it. Uh, Channel 101 is uh, you can go to channel101.com. Uh, is a Essentially, monthly short film festival. Uh, there are ten shorts that are screened. Five of them are returning shorts, like so. They're they're episodes, like television. Yeah, it's it's basically five minute TV shows. Pilots and pilots, yeah. And so each month there are five returning shows that have are in like their third, fourth, fifth, ninth episode, and then five of them are brand new pilots, and the live audience votes on their five favorites. And the top five get to make another episode. And the next month, there are five new pilots and the five returning shows, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And people vote. Uh, yeah, people vote. And it's all uh, very fun, uh, especially when I, when I started. Uh, I never got involved with it, but I did go to your birthday party, which was a bajillion Channel 101 people. Yeah, they were yeah. very welcoming. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's... When I moved to LA, that was the I had a few friends in the Channel One One community, and so they kind of brought me in, and that was like my circle, and that's where like my closest friends come from, uh, and I feel very lucky about that. Were you making a lot of stuff in New York? 
or, or uh, had you kind of put that on pause after leaving school? Uh, I, I definitely was. Like, I haven't... The only way I've ever made money was by making videos. Um, wow. Which is... Uh, I mean, aside from, like, my high school job of working in a movie theater, but... Well, I mean, that's tangential. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I, gradu- I I worked for Vimeo, and I was making videos, like, staff videos for them. That's great. And, and so getting those jobs, I mean, that's... I'm, I'm Like, this is just me mm-hmm. playing couch doctor. Sure. Uh, I'm guessing you got those jobs and probably didn't think much of it. Um, right? Like, did you get the job? And at first, be, and I would did. Would people be like, oh, my God. And you'd be like, yeah, you know. At, at first, at first, I did. I was like, this is great. Uh, I, like, when I was, like, 16, 17 years old, I was like, if I could just have a job making videos, mm-hmm. I could be happy. So how quickly, though, did that change to, like, yeah? It was probably a gradual uh, decline from like, <laughs> I mean, at first I was I was super excited. I also, also in in Boston, I got an internship with the the Boston Red Sox, and oh, wow. I was a huge Red Sox fan. Costanza, and except <laughs> for the Sox, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was like producing videos for the Red Sox that they played at the games, wow. and there was something like a couple hundred people apply for these for these internships and they accepted four interns and I was one of them and I was like that was like the first thing that I was like oh great this is great maybe I am good at this maybe there's something to it but even then after doing that I got tired and yeah was like this isn't making me happy this isn't I'm not doing what I want to be doing so then I guess channel 101 must have been a nice thing because it's like you know when you were in school you got to make something every week even though you didn't have to yeah and it was what you wanted so 101 is what you is it it was no rules you could do whatever yeah so do you feel like that was a a replacement for that or like did did that bring you back to uh because in New York you were doing the Vimeo stuff but was it the Vim yeah the Vimeo stuff uh it was great I I love that love love that company I love uh, my friends who still video. still still work there, um, and we did make a lot of really fun stuff. But I also found that I was not making as much stuff as I wanted to, right. uh, personally, um, like the types of things I wanted. Even I was on uh, one of the video teams at UCB, mm. writing and directing, um, you know, the UCB originals, and I loved that. But even then, I still felt like, still like I'm there's, I'm not doing. I want to make feature films. I'm not doing that. So yeah. I got, so I'm like, I'll move to LA. It was the same cycle where it's like, I'll move to how LA were, and I'll be happier there. Yeah. How long were you in New York? I was back and forth while I was in Boston. And then I was in New York, just New York for two, three years. So like, and, it was like six, seven years total. And, and then how long have you uh, been out in LA? Uh, coming up on four years. Nice. Me too. When, when did you move down? September 2012. I moved down uh, August 28th, 2012. Oh, very close. Yeah, I don't know why I remember it. It's like one of those like end of times burned into me. I, I, remember, I, hated, I hated LA for the first year and a half. I remember exactly like the day I moved here was a Channel 101 screening. And, and so right I, I, yeah, like I, my few friends, I'm going to go there. Uh, so like I will it? always, I will always remember that's did you I, Did you like LA when you first came out or, or did it? Uh, not really. And yeah. I still, it, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Look, I say to people, it takes like a year and a half to get used to it. Some people I'm love used it right to it. Away. I'm used to it. That's yeah. what I could say. I mean, about like, LA. I, I, you know, like I say, I got a dog now. Like I'm here. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it's a weird town. I think it helps to have friends. Yes. That uh, yes. That's if I didn't have the friends. Yeah. Um. So y- you've never seen a therapist? I'm gathering. You're like, you know, no. You've never. Have, have you wanted to? Have you ever thought about it? I have thought about it. Um. Especially when my mom asked me if I if I need to. That's a bit of a red flag. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I have thought about it. Um, what stopped you? I don't know. I feel uh, there's just like a general sense of anxiety. I feel (laughs) like it gives me even not having done it. Like, yeah, it's like, like it's, it's just thinking about it stresses me out. What do you think that is? Is it like you're just worried I'm worried. Are you worried he's going to go in there and say you're fine? Is that what it like? No, I'm worried. He's, I'll, I'll go in there and go, you're more fucked up than you think you are. Right. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Because I, I tell myself I'm fine all the time. <laughs> I mean, look, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I don't know if it'll help you or not. But I, I mean, when I, I, I finally saw a therapist because a friend forced me to. And I was in a really 
Well, he convinced me to. He didn't force me to. I was talking about how I wanted to, but I didn't have money. And he uh-huh. was like, dude, if, uh, if your tooth was rotting out of the side of your head, would you go to a dentist no matter how much it costs? I was like, yeah. So he's like, so here's my therapist number. Uh-huh. Um, but when I went in there, my big worry was that I was going to walk in. He was going to be like, no, you're fine. That's, that's all normal. Yeah. I'd be like, this is fine. But he told me, he was like, yeah, you've got, you know, dysthemia. It's low level depression. It's fine. Like mm-hmm. you still, you still, you're fine. It's just, and I, I mean, I was so comforted in that, but, um, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to, like, I, I had an idea for a film a while ago. I mean, I don't think I'm going to do this. It's just one of those. Yeah. nuts of an idea but I just I, I laughed at the idea of like having a nightmare of going into a psychiatrist being like I don't know what's wrong with me and telling him all this stuff and him being like oh you've got Eli Henry disorder <laughs> he was like wait that's my name I was like yeah I know you're the first person we've ever met with this there's no treatment <laughs> like you know what I mean but I, I yeah. get that fear but I think it, it, it's important to do it because you know all that they'll do is help yeah and and I know that I know I like... know it's <laughs> tough it's tough but it, you know it's 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 worthwhile um, so I want to start to wrap this up. So I've got a few quick questions sure. for you. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever had on dealing with all this stuff? It's hard to say because it's, I, I don't open up about it all that much. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm pretty open with like my emotions and my feelings, uh, especially with the type of, of work that I do. Um, like just for, for people who aren't aware of, of anything that I've, I've made, I make a lot of stuff about relationships and interpersonal uh, feelings and like, uh, you know, internal struggles of, of people, um, is what I really have been focusing on. And I think that has helped me a lot, but because I don't really talk this openly about it, it's, it's, it's hard to say what the best advice I've gotten. I mean, is there anything a friend has said to you when you've opened up about just a particular bout that you found helpful? Honestly, no, it's, it's like, the reassurance I think is, is the best thing where, where even if like I will, would get down and it's, uh, subconsciously in the back of my head, I know I'll be okay, uh, sooner or later. Um, just having somebody be like, you've been here before and you'll get out again and you'll get out again. That's, uh, that's great advice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just want to take this opportunity just while we're on this subject for anyone listening who is uh struggling with this stuff and not talking about it and not getting forward this is the benefit right here of talking about it i mean you know when you open about up about this stuff even if it is an an instance like casey's saying with a friend and someone's reminding and reassuring these are things you don't get by just keeping it in so it's always you know a good idea to open up because even through bad advice you'll know it's bad advice and you can figure out why it's bad (laughs) advice and on that note what's the worst advice you've ever received uh, very similar type. Is it just different thing. intonation? You're fine. You'll be okay. Yeah, get over <laughs> it. Like that is yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like when people tell me we're running late. Like I, I think it, like it, it mostly gets me mad. Like if someone says like, "What do you have to be sad about?" Yeah, that, I hear that. It pisses me off, and it and it's like I'm a, a fucking human being. That's, that's a big thing for people. I'll always have yeah. something to be doing, sad about. If you're doing relatively well in this industry, there are a lot of people that will say that to you, and it's really tough. And I think it, it's it's more important to recognize that it's them kind of getting down on themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I've got friends who, you know, like I was just working on the show, like I said, and it was, you know, the biggest thing, but I was really upset. And someone was like, why? <laughs> like, come <laughs> on, seriously? I'm like, I, yeah, I know. And that, that's the thing with depression is this weird thing of feeling both fortunate and unfortunate at the exact same time yeah it, like it's somebody like, say like how is it working on a show and i'll be like oh it's amazing it's the best experience of my life yeah like you know yeah. and i mean it like it's yeah. incredible like i th- this show helped me get through all this stuff and sure. the people i worked with it was great but still at the same time i'm like yeah no it's great but like i don't know i'm having like somebody texted me this weird thing <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> um do you think that all people in the arts are crazy to some degree i think if they're good at it they are interesting uh, and that's just from going to art school and being surrounded by artists for four years where everyone's just the only thing they have to do is make stuff. Right. The people I noticed who made better stuff had more, uh, were more aware of, of this shit in their head than looking internally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I'm pretty sure I said this on the podcast before. At this point, I've done so many. I'm recording all these in the space of like a week, so it's hard to remember. But I, I do think that uh, a friend of mine who goes to film school uh, or went to film school with me and then he came out here for AFI, he was saying like, you know, why do I know so many friends who have this stuff? Is it, Like, why is it becoming more prevalent as time goes on? Like the years, like 50 years ago, this wasn't as prevalent. I said, yeah. well, I think it was. People just didn't talk about it. But oh, yeah. the reason you know more people is because you're in the film industry. Sure. And, you know... the like the inherent nature of these illnesses is, I think, is, I think it's, it's, super it's a side effect of it's these super illnesses. feeling. It's empathy. It's yeah, extreme it's, empathy. I think, I think that when I, when I watch like Kanye West go on rants, I can tell there's something like he's struggling with something like this, oh, but sure. I also think he's a creative genius. I think oh, I, I love Kanye. I think he's yeah. an asshole, but I love Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know but what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll I think to... like the last interview he did with Ellen, like I could, wa- I watched him struggle and with he does, articulating I think he's been open what about, he wants to, I think he's been open about it. Yeah, uh, in terms of, his, I think he takes like, and I, I feel like it makes sense because so he's made so much great stuff, and I think I see that in like a lot of people who make who continuously make great stuff. I think that it's just a side effect be, of uh, like, it's it's something I have to get out yeah. of me. I, I by the way, I would love to be a fly on the wall in Kanye's therapy sessions. Oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> They're like seven hours long. Jeez. Let me tell you something else. You know, um, do you have any advice to other people who are like, you know, struggling with this kind of uh, these problems who who want to get into like writing, directing, into the entertainment industry? Uh, yeah, start just start uh, making anything. Um, that that's what has leveled me forever. Um, is is expressing, is, is expressing like, as I as I got older and I realized the like it's less like oh I want to make a a gangster movie where it's like I want to make a movie where I get this feeling I have out of me so I feel better about myself. Interesting. Uh, and I one hundred percent if if you're thinking about uh, making stuff to help with this focus in on feeling uh, it's 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 what saved my life I think. So yeah, focus in on 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 yeah. What it is Even if you think out. it'll be shitty or, or bad, it. It, it, you start you start making stuff and it'll get better as you go. Uh, now, finally, just how do you think? Like, what do you think we can do to fix? Start fixing this societal problem of not talking about mental health and not, you know, treating it seriously. Do you mm-hmm. think? Like, what do you think we can do as a as a group? Oh boy, um, I think a, a small thing that I think about a lot is the way people kind of put themselves out on like social media and the internet, people really like to boast about really great things. And I think if more people were more open about when they don't feel so great and uh, like, I, 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 it's, I think that's starting to happen. Um, I've made a bunch of those. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think, I think that helps. I think it helps people to not feel ashamed to feel anything other than I'm great. Yeah, seeing on Instagram like, oh, pool selfie. Oh, here yeah. I am in a great car. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I feel I think I think that's a, it's a small thing, but I think it would it would help society as a whole kind yeah. of like put their walls down a little bit. Uh on that note, uh Twitter, what do you uh, got? Uh yeah, at Casey Donahue. C A S E Y C A S E Y D O N A H U E. Uh yeah, Twitter's Twitter's a good base to find anything else I'm, I'm doing. Yeah, of course, and uh, all the all the happiness. Look out for Casey's future sad tweets. <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much for being here. It's been a great conversation, and I yeah. hope you have fun dancing in the dark. I, I will. It's it's it, that's also like therapy for me. I mean, it it sounds great, and I wish we would have gotten. It. We'll get into that more another time. Sure. All right, thanks, Casey. Thanks. All right, that's episode three. My thanks to Casey Donahue again for being here. Uh, such a great guy, really smart. Um, I don't know about you, but personally, I've got a lot of movies I need to watch after that. <laughs> watch or rewatch. Uh, if you'd like to email me, you can get me at uh, it's all in your head podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at in your head pod. Also, Instagram at it's all in your head podcast. On Instagram, you can just see lovely photos of all of our guests. That's really all it is. I mean, I don't know why I have Instagram, it's, a pod, it's an audio medium. Feel, I feel like every episode is going to have me repeating myself in the interviews and then me not knowing why I have Instagram, but that's fine. Uh, next week on the show uh, is um, 
a very good episode. I was saying, you know, uh, on the first episode that every few episodes I'm going to have kind of a different thing. And next week is a very interesting episode. It's uh, Carly Campbell, who's a good friend of mine. She is a, uh, a wardrobe designer, and she's got bipolar disorder. So, you know, whereas in all the episodes so far, we talk about the arts and how mental health impacts the art and the art that we do. This is a different one. Not that I'm saying that wardrobe design is not an art. It absolutely is. But we talk about um, set etiquette and what it's like to work on a film set with uh, bipolar disorder and with mental health. Because I feel like, you know, for a lot of you listening who maybe want to get into this industry, uh, it's a whole other side that you would never really think. You know, you know the creative aspect. You have your aspirations as a writer, as a director, as whatever. But the actual idea of being on a set is its own thing entirely. So Carly and I talk about her experiences with that and some of mine and, and, and just what it's like to uh, have a mental health issue and have to go to work on what is a very, very intense work environment. So that's going to be a really good episode. That's next week, Monday, 10.30 a.m., because that's when I see my therapist. Thanks for listening to It's All In Your Head. Please like us, subscribe, rate, share, uh, write our podcast name on pieces of paper and tie them to rocks and throw them. You know, do all the standard stuff. See you next week. It's all in your head.